Welcome to episode 20 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm McKay Rippey. Hi, and I'm Aurora. And with us today, we have Dr. Carolyn Dean, who's an expert in holistic medicine, and particularly the effects of magnesium on health. And I think magnesium is one of the main nutrients that most people are missing, and especially people suffering with Lyme disease. So Aurora, tell us a little bit about Carolyn Dean. Dr. Carolyn Dean graduated from Dalhousie Medical School in 1978, holds a medical license in California, and is a graduate of the Ontario College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. Dr. Dean's not only a medical doctor, but also a naturopath, herbalist, acupuncturist, nutritionist, lecturer, consultant, and author. Dr. Dean has authored or or co-authored over 30 books, including How to Change Your Life with Magnesium and IBS for Dummies. She's a medical director of the Nutritional Magnesium Association, president of the Hallmark Dean Academy and Hallmark Dean Laboratory. Dr. Dean lives in Maui with her husband. Thanks, Aurora. And here's the interview with Dr. Dean. How did you get from being a medical doctor to in your CV, you're an acupuncturist, you're a nutritionist, mm-hmm. you're a naturopath, you're you're everything. <laughs> right. Well, um, I went to medical school in the mid seventies before up in Canada before there was a naturopathic school to go to, and I went into medicine already interested in nutrition and reading all I could. And back then, there wasn't much. I read Prevention Magazine and whatever books I could get a hold of and um, was really interested in in lifestyle, diet, and I just couldn't get people to listen to me and and take my (laughs) advice. So I was in um, honors biology and I just happened to have most um, of the prerequisites for medicine. So when the kids in my biology um, courses were saying they were they were getting acceptance letters into medicine, I thought, oh, my gosh, I, I know way more than they, they'll ever know about health. <laughs> so I just marched over to the dean of medicine's office, found my high school guidance counselor in there as the assistant to the dean of medicine. No so kidding. I got into medical school the next, next semester, so it, it was pretty fated, I think. And um, in medicine, I just I learned so much ab- ab- about the body, about allopathic medicine. I mean, to this day, and it's it's going back forty years. I remember things that I that I drummed into my head with the constant studying, and I think that's what's really important in in medicine is to know all you can about the body and about allopathic medicine and then know when natural medicine can suffice or can can trump allopathic medicine and and I've been doing that ever since in my practice I would know how to use uh, the vitamins and minerals and herbs and acupuncture and hydrotherapy and all the all the good things that would keep a person healthy before turning to drugs. You're way ahead of your time, and you still are, by the way. Mm. My mm. background is I'm an acupuncturist. 
So that's my training. And Uh absolutely, I remember one of my favorite courses was taught by uh, an ER doc. And Mm -hmm. essentially it was when you should be referring to somebody else. And, uh-huh. and, uh, it's, it, the hybrid model that you're talking about is, is, is where, where we are by default. And I think we're, we're heading more and more with, uh, the difficulty accessing medical care and, mm-hmm. uh, more, you know, more, so more neighbors are taking care of each other with natural means. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have to because then in medical school back then and, and to this day, we really um, were never never given any instruction in nutrition. We left the diet up to the dietitians, right. and um, with um, even with uh, our biochemistry training, I had two hundred hours of biochemistry because the dean of medicine at that time was a biochemist, so he got an extra hundred hours out of us. <laughs> but um, <laughs> everything in biochemistry pointed to the cofactors of vitamins and minerals that were absolutely necessary to make the biochemistry work. So what I saw, for example, in the in the Krebs cycle, um, mm-hmm. which makes the energy molecules, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, seven out of the ten steps of the Krebs cycle require magnesium. Yes. So because I was already tuned into vitamins and minerals, I said, oh, so that's where they work and that's what's necessary. But none of that information was transferred into our clinical application so that when someone comes into a doctor to this day with fatigue and, and you know, just exhaustion and tiredness, they're, they're treated with antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications when, you know, a good soak in, in magnesium sulfate, Epsom salts, would, would turn it right around. And before I, I have two questions. The first one is, so why, do, do you have any sense of why the assumption is that the nutrition is taken care of and that doesn't need to be addressed? And they go right for the the pharmaceuticals. The drugs, right. Well, um, we never had any nutrition courses. There's no nutrition specialty in medicine. Um, It's women's work. Uh, It's, uh, (laughs) right, you know, it's about the kitchen. It's about the diet. I I remember sitting across from uh, my gastroenterologist uh, mentor in my internship and I said, well, do you think the Coke and potato chips you're eating has any effect on your gut? And he said, no. Right. So what's not known to doctors is, is, is not regarded as being important. We were told in our first year of medical school that if you don't learn it in medical school, it's not important. Really? Everything you need. Yes, yes, yes. So that uh, throughout chiropractic, it's, <laughs> it's throughout vitamins and minerals. It's everything. Fat. That's so it's arrogant. Th- oh man, it was amazing. It's funny. And my schooling, my schooling was the exact opposite. They said uh, the first day you're just beginning your training, and then when we graduated, they said, "Okay, we've t- taught you how not to hurt anybody. Now go out and learn how to do acupuncture." Oh, right. Right. And, and, you know, we were just, 
made to feel like we were complete hopeless idiots the first couple of years, yeah. and then all yeah. of a sudden we were, be, you know, we were um, referred to as doctors, and we were we were told to act like we were we were gods, yeah. really. The and it, medicine, model. yeah, medicine is definitely the new religion. Um, you know, by the way, people treat their doctors and they're afraid of their doctors. They're afraid to tell their doctors, well, you know, magnesium works for me and this and that because the doctor will just poo-poo it and and might not regard them the same way. And, And people will say that to me. Right. So that's a beautiful segue. In the Lyme community, the infectious disease standards are two to four weeks of antibiotics and I just was speaking with a pediatrician uh, about a mile and a, I'm sorry, an hour and a half away from me in, in Albany, New York. And she mm-hmm. is being reviewed for going out, treating outside of those guidelines and is in real danger of losing her license. So the mm-hmm. Lyme people come up very quickly with insufficient treatment. And so they really are either left to travel lots of distance and pay out of pocket or to treat themselves. And that's why I was so interested in talking to you about magnesium sulfate because it's such a simple yet powerful intervention that can be done. Yes, and it, what's interesting, McKay, is in the in the Lyme community, you'll actually come across um, – Articles and doctors who say, well, you know, magnesium feeds the Lyme organism, so you should be careful about using magnesium. I've heard that. And whereas I I know research that says that in magnesium deficient people, Lyme takes, takes, uh, you know, a stronger hold. So there's all this misinformation out there. And when people say to me that they come across this, oh, magnesium seeds, um, infectious diseases, so we should limit it. I say every nutrient feeds every living organism. Does that mean we should... We should stop eating and stop drinking and stop breathing so that we can kill an organism in our body, you know, because we'll die ourselves. So there's this crazy lack of common sense that abounds on the Internet um, these days because people will theorize something and say, you know, this is this is real. And I guess from my stance of having written my magnesium miracle book and and seen the the miracles it can do, I can't imagine someone saying, well, limit the use of magnesium because an organism is going to use it for their life cycle, and we want to kill the organism. So we just we really have to use our common sense. And you know, when I tell people about magnesium and, and they say, well, you know, I'm on these 12 drugs. I'm afraid to take magnesium pills mm. because, you know, I'm afraid of the side effects. And, right. and they, that's been drummed into them because oftentimes now when, when you go on the internet, some of the, the sites out there, the health sites, will will talk about all the side effects of vitamins and minerals. But when you look at their funding, most of them are are funded by drug companies. Right. And I don't know if it's the fear from medical school that everything besides drugs is quackery or it's being promoted by the drug companies to put down vitamins and minerals. But um, 
what they say is we don't want people to use vitamins and minerals in case they interfere with their drug therapy. Right, of course. And, yeah, and it's not at all that uh, that the vitamins and minerals will interfere with how the drugs work. It will make the drugs obsolete and unnecessary, and that's the fear. Yeah. Because invariably when um, people... Um, do start saturating their body with magnesium, they feel better and they they actually feel feel the side effects of their of their drugs even more and and people do want to get off medications in in medical schools as I said in the, I um, attended in the mid seventies we were told to use drugs for as short a time period as possible until the body could take over the healing function. And those days are long gone, long gone. And, you know, people say to me, well, you know, natural medicine, it's, it's, you know, rising up and people are, are sampling it more, et cetera, et cetera. They certainly are out of desperation, but it's not (laughs) because medicine is, um, has, uh, taken uh, a change of heart. You know, it, it's far from that because, Doctors are are afraid of what they don't know, and they don't know about about natural therapies. I I have a blog called "When Magnesium Makes Me Worse," because people uh, will say to me, "Well, I took this magnesium, and and one of the big complaints is it, it gave me the laxative effect." Yes, and and that's where I immediately say to people, "Well, you can do Epsom salts baths and." By absorbing it through your skin, it'll get into your tissues and be absorbed some, you know, some of it into your cells and, and not really reach the intestines for, you know, for quite a long time. If you soak for an, an hour in several pounds of Epsom salt, <laughs> it, it, it will actually you know, cause you to have a little bit of loose bowel movements. But, you know, McKay, you know that 60% of the population is constipated. So they could do with a little bit of laxative effect. That's one of my first questions in my practice. And my answer is almost always take some some magnesium, get some kind Mm -hmm. of magnesium in you. Now, Mm -hmm. so let's, Mm -hmm. since you were talking about that, how, how should you take an Epsom salt bath? What's the proper way to do it? Well, not too hot, hot um, a temperature. So it's moderately hot. Um, one to two cups is usually a, a good enough dose. And, you know, I'll have people um, who are so toxic that uh, you want to start even with even less Epsom salts or start with an Epsom salt foot bath because what happens with Epsom salts and you know, we were starting to get into that earlier where you know the blog when magnesium makes me worse mm-hmm. when magnesium gets into your cells it will start pushing out heavy metals and and um, toxins and chemicals it, it will start to uh, neutralize and break down yeast toxins so that when when people um, more so women than men have yeast overgrowth and and create uh, toxins to the tune of about 178 of them, those toxins will will land in fat cells or they'll just land in the cells of the body. And when right. you start doing um, detoxifying 
Epsom salts baths, you can feel some of those toxins coming out. And people will say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I feel a little worse. Now that may be 5% of the population, but they make the loudest noises. Of so <laughs> I try to make sure that I, you know, in my writings, I tell people um, that, look, you're going to feel different when you do something so healthy. And um, don't be surprised if things get stirred up and don't worry about it. But 95% of people, they'll do an Epsom salt bath and just feel fabulous. Muscles relax, they'll sleep better that night. When, um, when I worked a lot with the uh, autistic community, um, every kid was in an Epsom salt bath every night. And these kids did so much better. They lost their irritability and their insomnia, their constipation went away. They stopped things like head banging and, and all kinds of behaviors were modified just with soaking in Epsom salts. Yeah, truly, truly incredible for, for such an old fashioned, simple thing. Mm-hmm. And do, mm-hmm. do you ever recommend adding anything in addition to the Epsom salts into the water? Well, I mean, with the Epsom salts, you've got your magnesium and you have that um, sulfate aspect, you know, the and sulfur. What, what does mm-hmm. the sulfate do? What part does that play in the body? Well, um, sulfur is very important in the detoxification pathways. There's methylation and there's sulfation in liver detoxification. So, uh, the sulfate part of the magnesium sulfate, which is what Epsom salts are made of, uh, it it goes into the body and does so many things for biological processes. Um, I mean, people can just look up lists of how it helps form proteins and it's necessary for making your digestive enzymes and and for protecting the gut wall with a type of mucus called mucin proteins. Um, it's necessary in the formation of brain tissue for Pete's sakes. And uh, I mostly talk about it in terms of, of liver detoxification, but it, it does so much more. And um, I guess people don't realize that when they're, when they are doing Epsom salt, it's not just the magnesium, there's the, the sulfate action as well. But in the baths, you know, I've seen um, people, and I have recommended, you know, putting in a cup of sea salt or putting in a cup of of baking soda, or I will get people to blend up um, uh, half a cup of a good clay, a detox detoxifying clay, and the clay will absorb toxins. And people say, well, there's so much going on, you know, what... How does the body know what to do? And it's like we really have to get over this um, this thing where we think we're telling the body what to do. The body is a genius, and it will it will take out of that water what it wants and and leave what it doesn't want. And uh, I, I find you know when people say, well, I'll do a clay bath one day and do a magnesium bath the other day, I just do them both at one time and and let the body. Um, uh, have the benefit of the doubt of what it, what it's going to use because the body is always working on priorities. 
And if the priority of the moment is detox, it'll do that. If it if it wants to absorb more magnesium or or uh, um, it wants to let more toxins out, it'll go ahead and do that, or it'll do both at once. I see, and it. I think you've already answered this, but I'm going to ask ask it explicitly. Can can you take too many Epsom salt baths? Well, um, the too much and too many aspect of magnesium is that you will start to get the laxative effect if you're taking too much. And that's the amazing fail-safe of magnesium. So once you hit that Uh, point when your stools get loose, back off. Right. And that's with the transdermal, uh, you know, the on-your-skin type of magnesium. But a lot of people, including myself, if if I take any amount of the pillar powder of magnesium, I'll get the laxative effect right away. And mm. I've been working on formulations that are um, that are non-laxative and and don't create that because with uh, people who have uh, heart palpitations or they're on a lot of medications. Um, many medications these days contain fluoride, which binds up magnesium, making it even more difficult to get enough magnesium. So to get a therapeutic level of magnesium, you really have to work hard at it. You have to be taking a, an Epsom salt bath every day if that's your main mode of getting your magnesium. And are there any foods that are full of magnesium? You know, we think of calcium in milk or cheese. Right. Well, the um, the highest levels of magnesium are in seaweed and raw, 100% bitter cacao, uh, chocolate powder. And I have to say, I don't eat a lot of that every day. <laughs> I know, I know. And the unfortunate part of the whole magnesium picture is it's been farmed out of the soils. Right. Even if you have uh, an organic farmer providing you your greens, if that farmer doesn't use magnesium, then you're not going to get magnesium in your food. And I've had the occasion to have clients who've been on these crazy 140 ounces of green drink a day, mm-hmm. and they still come to me with heart palpitations and leg cramps. And they're astounded when I say, well, sounds like you have magnesium deficiency. They're more astounded when I, I give them a few doses of magnesium and their symptoms go away. Right. They just can't believe it. it but so it just proves that there is no magnesium in the soil. Whereas, as you say, with calcium, it's in the dairy. It's in it's more so in the green leafy vegetables and nuts and seeds than magnesium. So you can actually get enough calcium in your diet to give you all you need, which is only 600 to 700 milligrams, not the 1,500 to 2,000 that we've been told because now we we know from at least a half a dozen studies that women who take calcium supplements are at a higher risk for heart disease because they're calcifying their arteries with with all this supplemental intake. And the incidence of osteoporosis never decreased in one 10-year period. In fact, osteoporosis increased 700% while women were taking all this calcium. So I'm really, um, I'm really against the 
this overcalcification because it's not only heart disease, it's heel spurs, kidney stones, gallstones, fibromyalgia tissue will will um, be calcified and breast tissue calcification. And, you know, that may be one of the worst uh, instances of calcification in the body because if you have breast tissue calcification on a mammogram, you're immediately identified as a precancerous condition leading to more mammograms and biopsies only to find out, oh, it's just calcification. So that's um, a horrible result of of us going so gung-ho on all this calcium intake. Right. Let me tell you a short story where I was beginning to learn about magnesium and, and reading your work. And I had a patient come in, a young woman, and she was a pharmacist and had a, a history of osteoporosis. Both her mother and grandmother had pretty se- severe osteoporosis. So she thought she was going to get ahead of the curve. And she started in, in, uh, pharmacy school taking a dose of calcium. And she had taken mm-hmm. it religiously for when she finally made it into my office. It was probably about 10 years later. So she was in her late 20s, early 30s, still very young. And she had just been diagnosed with osteopenia. <gasps> wow. And we had the conversation, mm-hmm. bones aren't just made out of, out of calcium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So there it's you su- go. such a dramatic story. You know, you have mm-hmm. all the protective factors of the hormones plus all the calcium in her diet, and it's still, it's, mm-hmm. you, it's, it's not just a, a single formula, formula, is it? Mm-hmm. No, but that's the medical way where it's got to be one thing that, that treats a symptom, just like one drug treats a disease. So that that's what doctors focus on. They're now focused on vitamin D as being the miracle cure for everything. And come to find out that um, vitamin D, it's actually a hormone. It's not a vitamin. So when it's low, it means that the body has enough of what the vitamin D does, which is calcium. And um, the the relative amount of calcium is what's most important, which means... If you're very low in magnesium and you have relatively more calcium, your vitamin D is going to be low because you don't want to take on more calcium in the face of magnesium deficiency. And because I'm I'm right in the midst of all this magnesium work, people will email me or clients will get back to me and say, oh my gosh, you know, I thought I was over my magnesium deficiency, but my doctor persuaded me to take high-dose vitamin D and all of a sudden my my cramps are back, my heart palpitations are back, I had a six-week migraine, my angina is back. And lo and behold, Meg, the um, processing of vitamin D requires high amounts of magnesium, so it just strips the body of magnesium and makes you magnesium deficient. Hmm. That's fascinating. Now, in in a situation where a Lyme patient, you know, hmm. has so many symptoms coming from so many different areas, the bacteria itself, the detox, the uh, side effects from medications they might be on, uh, what are some of the classic signs of magnesium deficiency? Hmm. Well, the, it would be the fatigue, insomnia, any sort of t- nerve twitching, 
uh, people will get esophageal spasms. Even heartburn and GERD are related to magnesium deficiency because it's like the the uh, the stomach and diaphragms are are can be in spasm and and allow reflux. You can have, uh, as I was saying, any sort of calcification showing up, bowel problems, constipation, or there can be um, uh, colitis symptoms just from all the antibiotics and. And then when you try to give someone magnesium that makes the, the diarrhea worse, then right. that's where right. you do want to be soaking in Epsom salts. Uh, you can have any sort of arthritis, muscle cramping. Uh, in my um, book, Magnesium Miracle, I have listed a hundred factors that, um, that indicate a magnesium deficiency. So it's pretty broad and I haven't mentioned this yet, but between 700 to 800 different enzyme systems uh, require magnesium in order to do their work. So it is, it's probably doing most of the, the biochemical functioning in the body when I look up any sort of the enzyme system. And I don't mean digestive enzymes. It's enzyme systems like we were talking about in the Krebs cycle that create energy. But all these enzyme systems require vitamins and minerals, and and they require magnesium more than any other. Um, magnesium needs seven to eight hundred. Zinc is the the next highest, only requiring about a hundred and eighty, uh, only being required by about a hundred and eighty different enzyme systems. So magnesium is way out ahead of everything, and. Some of the symptoms, like it can be just symptoms of aging. It can be anxiety, atrial fibrillation, does high it, blood pressure. Does it affect mental function? Absolutely. Uh, depression and anxiety. I did a radio show yesterday where we started out about depression and um, magnesium is necessary for the formation of serotonin. It helps detoxify the brain from uh, chemicals. It helps make neurotransmitters. It balances the adrenal glands. Whereas if you you're low in magnesium, uh, your adrenal glands become kind of hyper irritable, and you're firing off adrenaline all the time and creating um, high blood pressure and um, increased heart rate which is scary for people and, and all due to magnesium deficiency. So let's say someone's listening to this and even though we're not giving medical advice, they decide on their own, you know, maybe I could go down to the drugstore and get some Epsom salt. So the first question is, does it matter? Are there quality problems with Epsom salt or is it pretty much a, a commodity at this point? Well, now that it's getting more popular, I do have some concerns about the um, about the the quality. I know in the autistic population, uh, the parents uh, being so concerned about heavy metal toxicity in their kids would send away samples and uh, Epsom salts and tell me that there was concern with um, some contamination. So. I tell people to try to get food-grade Epsom salts or USP uh, Epsom salts. Get something that uh, says it's not made in China, for example. 
Sad, because but, sad but true. Sad but true. Yeah, the quality control yeah. just isn't there. The same goes mm-hmm. for, for any herbs, too. Absolutely. I studied uh, herbal medicine in um, in New York years ago with a, a double Taoist priest, <laughs> Jeffrey Ewan. Yes. And, yeah, yes. And um, we were warned about that. And actually, I w- I, in the AIDS research I did in New York uh, back then, we were using herbal formulas and making them into homeopathic injectables. And mm. And we kind of had to have a blood oath with uh, with uh, Chinese agents to make sure that we we got safe herbs because you could otherwise get get just about anything. You could get uh, you know sweepings from the floor passed off as herbs. And to that end, I really don't uh, do a lot of uh, herbal medicine anymore because I have no idea of the quality of herbs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sourcing is is the the number one factor there. And mm-hmm. so, lastly, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add to wrap this up? Well, I think. What I would add, because uh, for some people this may be just the start of their education, but uh, you can Google my name and magnesium and come up with hundreds and hundreds of articles and blogs I've written about magnesium. I have free uh, books on magnesium available at the nutritionalmagnesium dot org website. It's a nonprofit, nutritionalmagnesium.org. It's a great website. Ah, thank you. And my website, um, drcarolindean.com, where you can sign up for my free newsletter. Um, I'm constantly giving information and advice and, and my uh, website with a couple of free booklets under the FAQ is rnareset.com. So as I tell people on my my Monday radio show, which is on AchieveRadio.com at um, 4 o'clock Pacific, AchieveRadio.com, I do a two-hour call-in show. I, um, I answer all kinds of questions because I, I want people to be educated about what they're taking. I'm not going to be... Um, a, a doctor, and as you said earlier, McKay, we aren't giving medical advice. I'm not going to say, oh, take this and pat you on the head. That's been done too much by doctors. You want to be educated. You want to educate yourself to know that magnesium is very important and that you have a lot of magnesium deficiency symptoms, and then you take it, and you start taking it slowly, and you see how much better you feel. Yeah, that's such great <laughs> advice. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dean, thank you so much. And thank you, McKay, for making this information available to the public. I do appreciate it. That was a really cool interview, and it confirmed some of my suspicions that I have that I have for myself is I use magnesium as a primary pain reliever, actually. So 
Well, tell me more about that. Well, I, I notice for myself that if I don't take magnesium, that I get aches and, uh, cramps actually. So I notice that, oh, if I have, if I'm getting a cramp in my hip or my back or my uh-huh. knee, things like that, it's not, I, it's, I don't take, you know, a Tylenol or Advil or anything. I tend to take magnesium and that, clears it up for me almost instantaneously. Well, that's a great little testimonial <laughs> about the powers of magnesium. Yes. Take oh. magnesium, everybody. But seriously, it can't be like it always amazes me what proper nutrition can do for just general well being. Absolutely. And we're lucky to have you telling us a story <laughs> and interview with Dr. Dean. All right. Thanks for listening. We have a new feature on the website. So if you're listening to this on the website, if you look right below the image of Dr. Dean and the the bar to click to, to play the podcast, there is a section of Facebook comments now that you can start a discussion. So please, if you're there on the website, leave a comment for us. I'll make an effort to answer every comment that there is. And I think it'll be a great way for our little community to start a discussion. And if you have feedback and want to email it to us, what's our email, Aurora? Feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And, of course, hit the like button right there on our website or while you're visiting us on Facebook. And the website address is? It LimeNinjaRadio.com. Visit us for links and show notes. Right. We'll put links to Dr. Dean's books up there. And also, if you want to listen to us on your iPhone or your iPod, or some such device. Uh, subscribe to us at iTunes. And Stitcher. Yes, and Stitcher. And Stitcher. And check back with us next week for our next interview. And before we sign off, we have one last thing to do, and you know what it is. It's the ninja fact of the day. Ninjas aren't politically correct. They are simply correct. <laughs> Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.